Welcome to Porsche Pattern with Bracken Helms, the show where we hear Bracken and his distinguished guests from the Porsche community patter on about Porsches and all things automotive. Porsche Patter is sponsored by Circuit 64. Circuit 64 creates authentic automotive apparel made for like-minded automotive enthusiasts. The links for Circuit 64 are in the show notes. Okay, let's get to it. Larry Moulton, part one. Larry Moulton is a 50-year-plus authorized Porsche mechanic at an authorized Porsche dealership, so he has been around the block. When he retired a couple years ago, the Porsche family came out and gave him all these congratulations and awards, and he was in their press. He was also in Motor Trend, had an article on him. Panorama had an article on him. Excellence had an article on him. Those are just the ones that came in the mail that I noticed. Okay, now it's time for some honesty and transparency. (laughs) So, I went up to his house, set up all the mics, set up the mixer, set up the cords, set up the, got the headphones all done. Everything's dialed in. We're all ready to go. I even made him put on the headphones so he could hear himself so he wouldn't be backing away from the mic and I'd have to, like, coach him into, okay, well, you know, you can't be back here and then moving over here and then, uh, so... I do the interview. It's like two hours. I look down to stop it. I had never pressed record. Talk about anxiety. I was like having heat flashes. I've known him forever. So it wasn't, I mean, if it would have been some guy that I've never met and gave me, they gave me their time. I mean, I can only imagine it would have been that much worse because I was on, I was on vacation in Utah and he said, you can come back in a couple days or you can come back tomorrow or we can arrange something to do. And then I said, well, possibly we could even do it over on zoom or something. But the only thing I had was my cell phone. So I tried to clean it up best I could. I was talking to a lot of people. I've been going back and forth on this forever or should I use this or should I not? And I've asked 10 people, okay, what is your opinion? And I finally came to the conclusion that I would rather it be organic than the audio be perfect, but he's just regurgitating everything we've already talked about. So I decided to go for the organic. If you're one of these that the audio is more important than the spontaneousness of it, then maybe this one's not for you. So I'm telling you now that the audio is not awesome. But here we go. Part one, Larry Moulton. Who is Larry Moulton? (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. I, uh, I, don't know, I graduated from high school in 1962, and in 1962, I got a job at the Volkswagen Porsche dealership. Actually, the Porsches and the Volkswagens were, were a hobby because I was involved with sports cars and autocrossing, and just kind of blossomed from there. When I got out of high school, I had an offer to go to Ford, they had a job for me, and I said, I think I'll do Volkswagen instead. So that's how I ended up with BW Porsche. I think I was pretty enamored with the Porsches and Volkswagens because they were the new thing. I had all these stories I'd heard about how fantastic Porsches were and how fast they were. One fellow told me did 356, they'd do 180 and shift into fourth. And, oh, really? You know, so, yeah. Which I found later on was a little exaggerated. <laughs> but, so that's kind of how I got started in it. Yeah. And then 
all I've ever done is I worked at the dealership for like 52 years. I think I worked at Volkswagen, another Volkswagen dealer for a year. And we just did sports cars and went motorcycles in the desert, autocrossing, kind of evolved. We had a big sports car club here and we had a track out south. We had a lot of exotics here. We had RSKs, we had 904s, the guys with Ferraris, Maseratis. For, for being Salt Lake in those years, we had a lot of exotic cars. We had a huge group, and it just evolved and got bigger and bigger. We moved to another track that was uh, actually a drag strip and raced there for a while. And everybody that was in autocrossing slowly moved into road racing. Because in those days, there was no rules in autocrossing. It was a 2.5 liter and under. And you could do anything you wanted. Pretty well, you ended up ruining your streetcar. You might as well go racing. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of evolved from there. Yeah. And then several of us in town just kept on. And we moved up, started running SCCA regionals and nationals and with different cars. I had a friend had a Corvette, a Cheetah, Spitfires, just a whole gamut. So it was pretty fun. We had a good time. So I would say, my next question was, what attracted you to Porsche? This 356 story, <clears throat> when you work for Volkswagen, I worked in the Louvre rack and then working downstairs on Beatles. And a good, good friend of mine was from Germany. He was their only Porsche mechanic. And he was working on maybe three cars, three cars a week. And I think it was 1966, we'd seen the first 911 that a pilot brought over from Germany. I was so into that car and, and the 356s that it took me off the Volkswagen line and had me work with this fellow. His name was Gunter Erie. And the two of us did all the cars in town. And prior to them, I think it was uh, Strong's had got the Porsche dealership, I think in 1959, right around there. So Gunther was like... <coughs> second guy that worked for them. He was there quite a while. He was really a craftsman. He was fairly a uh, German master mechanic. And it was kind of fun to work with him. That's how I kind of ended up going for Volkswagen with Porsche. Okay, so when you were with Volkswagen, you were just working with that Gunther guy? Yeah, it was all one thing. That the Porsche dealer oh, okay. was one stall in the whole Volkswagen shop. So we'd have like so did so did that place become Dave Strong's or you went to Dave Strong's? It was Dave Strong. Okay, Dave Strong originally got the Volkswagen dealer. I think he did that in like 1957 or 56, and then he got the Porsche dealer. I think pretty sure that was probably 56, seven, long or seven or eight, and uh, they just integrated it into the Volkswagen dealer. They had one work stall in the whole Volkswagen shop that the Porsches went to. Okay. That's, that's how, how they were. How long did you work on Porsches? Uh, I think about 52 years. Okay, how did the working on cars, how did it change or evolve? Well, it's really evolved. I mean, we, we went from the <clears throat> days of doing a valve adjustment and oil change every 3,000 miles and had points and carburetors, very simple. You look back on it, it was just totally simple. As the years went by, it got, got just more and more computers, electronics. And it really, after, I'd say, 70, 
about 78 was when it really started. We started getting more, little more stuff. We went SCs and then the Carreras. Then we got the 964s, and the 993 was really sophisticated. It had hydraulic lifters, no valve adjust folks, you know, no timing, no fuel settings. And they took all that work out of the car. So that was probably a pretty big step from the 964 to the 993? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, the 964 did quite a bit. Then after that, it just went crazy. You know, it's not right now. Everything is computerized. And, you know, you've got active suspension. You've got, you know, all the ABS, everything that goes with it. But as you move through the years, it, that's you just worked on it because that was the next product we got. And we were required to go into, like, two classes a year. And generally, we went to California and trained on the new product. And then later years, we also went to Atlanta. That's the headquarters. So we had a lot of training. So everything that came out new, like the 914s, uh, I was there when the first 914 came off the truck, and the 924s. The 944, that was a big seller. We had a lot of those. And I don't know where they went. You <laughs> hardly ever see one. Yeah. Same with the 928. The 928. Yeah, you never see 928s. No. I don't, even at, even at like, the biggest shows, I don't see 928s. No, we had a lot of 928s. And that started, I think, 78, or 78 and 79, 78, I think. And we saw a lot of them. I don't know where they went. I see maybe one every six months. Same with the 944s. There's a few around, which is pretty rare. Yeah, I don't see a whole lot of 944s, but I see way more 944s than I do 928s. Yeah. Um, any regrets you've had in your career? No, not really. Strong's was a family-owned. I worked for LH. He was the original, LH Strong. And he retired probably five or six years after I started. And then Dave Strong, his son, took over. And Dave, is, uh, he lives in San Diego now. But he, he was a really nice guy, family-owned. They took really good care of us. And uh, I always made, did well there, made good money and no problems. So it was a good, kind of, you know, a good thing to do. And if you want to work on that kind of car, you either had to do it here or go to Denver or somewhere. Quite frankly, I was more interested in all my hobbies that were connected to the job, so I didn't want to leave. <laughs> yeah. What did you like about working on Porsche? Porsches? Well, in the first place, they were just unique. And everybody said, oh, I work on Porsches. Oh, wow, you work on Porsches. You ever get to drive <laughs> And uh, it was just a unique thing to work on. Like I tell people now, if they want to get into the auto industry, pick out a, something that's different. Work on Mercedes, Porsche, BMW. You get more valuable if, you could, you know, if you're really good at that type of car. Yeah. So most of the people I know that do really well are working on some high-end cars. What was the worst thing about... Working on Porsches. Like any job in automotive industry, it gets pretty hectic. They have you on piecework. And so you get to the point that everybody wants to hurry. They want to go faster and faster. And I always felt it was much better if you have, if you were like an hour early where you slowed down and took your time. I did really well with it because I'd been around it so long. But uh, I guess that, that was one thing. Although I made good money, I mean, looking back, I shouldn't complain about it. 
that's one thing wrong with the whole auto industry. Is it's all piecework. You know, every time you go somewhere, the guys are on commission. The faster they go, the more cars they can get done, the more money they make. And it makes it difficult. What car did you get introduced to Porsche with? My first was a 58 Speedster. Well, that's a good one. Yeah, it was really a nice car. It had drudge wheels on it. It was really rare, and it was just perfect. Of course, that was, you know, 69, 68. <clears throat> it had a Super 90 engine in it. I rebuilt that and autocrossed it. It was just a great car. Yeah. And I think I bought it for $3,200 and sold it for about $29,000 or $3,000. Oh, so you owned it? Yeah, I owned it. Oh, okay. That was my first one. What was the first Porsche that you got, like, had to work on or the first one that you kind of introduced the Porsche with? The one that I remember the most, the first one I worked on the most, was uh, Gunther had a, I think it was a 58 coupe, a small super, <clears throat> and a clutch fiber in it. And so he had me take that engine in and out, I think, seven or eight times while he tried different things. <laughs> we finally fixed it, but I had a lot of practice, so yeah. I remember that one. That was one of my first experiences. So how excited were you when you got your first Porsche, which was a speedster? <clears throat> well, that was cool. I mean, Porsches were neat. Everybody had Triumphs and Spitfires, and, you know, those kind of cars. Yeah. Porsche Speedster was pretty cool. Yeah. What cars did you like working on the best? That's hard to decide. I worked on so many of them. Probably, I like the mid, like the Carreras in 84, 85, 86, long there. They were just rock solid, simple. And they, I think they were probably one of the most reliable horses ever built for, to buy one and enjoy it and drive. It didn't have the fancy air conditioning in it, but it did everything well. It never broke. <laughs> no oil leaks. It was just a great car. And I'd still like to have one of those. We're going to get into that a little bit more. <laughs> um, cool cars that you've worked on that stand out in your mind? Well, I worked on a couple of four cameras in the old days. I had one Cabriolet and one, one coupe. And a friend of mine had a 904. He was a banker here in town. And I didn't do any hard stuff to it, I did oil change and just a carburetor and stuff. And then one guy brought me in a, a Lamborghini Miura because the carburetors on it were the same as on a Porsche. Oh, really? So I adjusted those. And it was just cars like that. And then I, I remember our first turbo, when we got the first turbo in 76, that was like the second coming when that thing showed up. It was just nobody could touch it. You had to have ropes around it. <laughs> it was unbelievably crazy to look at. Yeah, that was that's one of my questions I have later. But <laughs> yeah. that um, did you did you work on Robert Redford's car? No, I didn't. Okay, I read that somewhere. My dad's like, I don't think so. No. I'm like, well, I read it. Well, I knew him because we well, I worked on his wife's car. Oh, okay. She had a 964. Oh, okay. And then he had a 904. Right. But we never actually had the 904 in the shop. And uh, I, I don't know who worked on it. Maybe Dan O'Connor. Um, what cool cars have you owned? Well, let's see. I had, I had the Speedster. Right. And then I raced a 60 
Roadster, a production Roadster. And I've had a lot of some British cars and different things. The nicest, probably the nicest 911 I've ever had after the Speedster, I had a 67S soft window target. That was really a nice car. I rebuilt the motor in it. And we did some custom wheels. I violated it a lot. We did a little fender flare custom wheels. Chromed all the tin on the motor, which all the purists were just losing their mind. That was probably one of the nicest ones I had. Then I had a lot of cars over the years. Because back in those days, through the 70s and the 60s, if someone blew their engine up or something happened, then just you could buy the car for $3,000. And then I'd fix it and sell it. That's you know, going for that kind of market value. Right? When you said the Roadster, Porsche Roadster, mm-hmm. is that the one that came before the Speedster? No, that was after. That was okay. In '59, they did a Speedster with roll-up windows. They call okay. it convertible D. Okay. Had a higher windshield and roll-up windows. And then the next year, they went to what they called the B model because the Speedster and the other ones were a, called A models, 256A. Then in 1960, they went 256B, and this was a Roadster B1. Okay. Favorite car you've owned? It was probably my Turner race car. Okay. It's a British car called a Turner Ford. I raced it for like 15 years in SCCA. And uh, it was the most successful car I ever had. I just kept it forever, but 15 years after I quit racing and this guy finally talked me out of it to vintage race it, and it lasted two years and we totaled at the Sears point. So, I guess I was looking back, that was the car that I was most attached to at the time. Um, any of you regret selling? Oh, a lot. <laughs> if I'd had the Speedster back, my first one, the 58, that car was really valuable. But the story with that car, <clears throat> I don't know how how truthful it is. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bob Plum. Your dad knows, knew him well. It sounds familiar. Plum, yeah, yeah. yeah, he body shot me way under yeah. portion. Anyway, when I sold my speedster, I sold it to this fellow. He already drove it. Bob Plum ended up with it. And so is Jack Plum his son? Or Jack Plum, excuse me. It's Jack Plum. Okay. Not Bob, Jack. Okay. Anyway, the story goes Jack got it, refurbished it, and then kept it for a while. And. He ended up selling it to somebody in California, but in the meantime, it was on the inside cover of Christophers, the old picture of that car. Oh, cool. And Jack told me that it ended up at the, the museum in the factory. And whether that's true, I don't know. Any of you regret not buying? Not really, I would think of. Okay. If you could have any car today, what would it be? <laughs> Street car? I guess we can split it up and do both. I think streetcar. Well, if I could just pick one just to drive, I'd probably get a GT3 RS. What year? Brandon. Okay. <laughs> what is the next fun car you can see yourself buying? <clears throat> I've got uh, my Mini Cooper, and I've got a 32 Ford Hot Rod in the basement. I don't know what I'll buy next. I have a good friend of mine that's got a an 84 Carrera that's really nice. And if that ever comes up, I might buy a phone. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, comment, like, 
and share with your friends. Feel free to send questions or suggestions to the email in the description of the show. Special thanks to our sponsor, Circuit 64. Goodbye for now. We hope we can get together again for our next episode. Now get out there and enjoy the cars and the people.